Interest in Possession Trust An interest in possession trust is a trust in which at least one beneficiary has the right to receive the income generated by the trust, if trust funds are invested, or the right to enjoy the trust assets for the present time in another way. The beneficiary with the right to enjoy the trust property for the time being is said to have an interest in possession and is colloquially described as an income beneficiary or the life tenant. Beneficiaries of a trust have an interest in possession if they have the immediate and automatic right to receive the income arising from the trust property as it arises, or have the use and enjoyment of it, such as by living in a property owned by the trustees. Such a beneficiary is also known as an income beneficiary or life tenant. There may be more than one income beneficiary, who may have either a joint tenancy or as tenants in common. The trustee must pass all of the income received, less any trustee's expenses, to the beneficiaries. For income tax purposes, the income so accruing to the income beneficiary is taxable income of the beneficiary, and taxed accordingly, unless otherwise exempted. A beneficiary who is entitled to the income of the trust for life is known as a life tenant or as having a life interest. A beneficiary who is entitled to the trust capital is known as the remainderman or the capital beneficiary. A trust can give the interest in possession to a beneficiary for a fixed period, for an indefinite period or, more usually, for the rest of the beneficiary's life. Such a life interest trust is the most common example of an interest in possession trust. In the United Kingdom, the 10-yearly inheritance tax charge may be payable on assets transferred into this type of trust on or after March 22, 2006. In the example of a life interest trust, the interest in possession ends when the income beneficiary dies. The capital of the trust will then pass to another beneficiary, or more than one. Where a charity has the right to income under a trust, it will also have an interest in possession, but this will clearly not be a life interest trust, An example would be a trust under which an art gallery has the right to display works owned by the trustees for a certain period. Either the will or trust deed establishing the trust, or the general law, will set out how tax and trustees' expenses will be divided between the income beneficiary and the capital of the trust. Trustee investment policies will also allow emphasis on their present income, which may reduce the real value of the capital or capital growth, increasing income in the long term and capital remaining when the interest in possession is terminated, or a balance. Interest in possession trusts may be created as part of a will. Typically, a surviving spouse will be granted by the settler a right to the income of the trust and or a right to remain in the family home for the remainder of their life. When the surviving spouse dies, the rest of the fund, the remainder, may pass to the couple's children or other named persons. Examples The Duchy of Cornwall is the legal owner of large land holdings in the United Kingdom and owns financial investments. The Duke of Cornwall has an interest in possession of the Duchy's assets, meaning the Duke is entitled to the income of the Duchy and the enjoyment of its assets. When there is no Duke, the lifetime, inter vivos, owner, the interest in possession reverts to the pre-1337 owner, the Crown. It is then under its exceptional statutory and quasi-statutory terms revested on the future Duke of Cornwall, which means it is not subject to the rule against perpetuities. Charitable Trust A charitable trust is an irrevocable trust established for charitable purposes and, in some jurisdictions, a more specific term than charitable organization. A charitable trust enjoys a varying degree of tax benefits in most countries. It also generates goodwill. Some important terminology in charitable trusts is the term corpus, Latin for body, which refers to the assets with which the trust is funded, and the term donor, 
which is the person donating assets to a charity. United States. In the United States, many individuals use charitable trusts to leave all or a portion of their estate to charity when they die, both for philanthropic purposes and for certain tax benefits. Charitable trusts may be set up in ter vivos, during a donor's life, or as a part of a trust or will at death, testamentary. There are two basic types of U.S. charitable trusts, charitable remainder trusts, CRT, and charitable lead trusts, CLT. There also is an optimized charitable lead annuity trust, ACLA, that was designed to maximize the tax and economic benefits to the contributor. Charitable remainder trusts are irrevocable structures established by a donor to provide an income stream to the income beneficiary, while the public charity or private foundation receives the remainder value when the trust terminates. These split interest trusts are defined in Section 664 of the Internal Revenue Code and are normally tax-exempt. A Section 664 trust makes its payments, either of a fixed amount, charitable remainder annuity trust, or a percentage of trust principal, charitable remainder unit trust, to either the donor or another named beneficiary. If the trust qualifies under IRS code, the donor may claim a charitable income tax deduction for their donation to the trust. Additionally, the donor may not have to pay an immediate capital gains tax when the trust disposes of the appreciated asset and purchases other income-generating assets to fund the trust. At the end of the trust term, which may be based on either lives or a term of years, the charity receives whatever amount is left in the trust. Charitable remainder unit trusts provide some flexibility in the distribution of income and may be helpful in retirement planning, while charitable remainder annuity trusts paying a fixed dollar amount are more rigid and usually appeal to much older donors unconcerned about inflation's impact on income distributions who are using cash or marketable securities to fund the trust. Charitable lead trusts are the opposite of charitable remainder trusts and first make payments to charity for the term of the trust. As with charitable remainder trust, payments may be either of a fixed amount, charitable lead annuity trust, or a percentage of trust principal, charitable lead unit trust. At the end of the trust term, the remainder can either go back to the donor or to heirs named by the donor. The donor may sometimes claim a charitable income tax deduction or a gift or estate tax deduction for making a lead trust gift, depending on the type of a charitable lead trust. Generally, a non-grantor lead trust does not generate a current income tax deduction, but it eliminates the asset, or part of the asset's value, from the donor's estate. United Kingdom In England and Wales, charitable trusts are a form of express trust dedicated to charitable goals. There are a variety of advantages to charitable trust status, including exemption from most forms of tax and freedom for the trustees not found in other types of English trust. To be a valid charitable trust, the organization must demonstrate both a charitable purpose and a public benefit. Applicable charitable purposes are normally divided into four categories, trust for the relief of poverty, trust for the promotion of education, trust for the promotion of religion, and all other types of trust recognized by the law, which includes trust for the benefit of animals and trust for the benefit of a locality. There is also a requirement that the trust purposes benefit the public, or some section of the public, and not simply a group of private individuals. Such trusts will be invalid in several circumstances. Charitable trusts are not allowed to be run for profit, nor can they have purposes that are not charitable, unless these are ancillary to the charitable purpose. In addition, it is considered unacceptable for charitable trusts to campaign for political or legal change, although discussing political issues in a neutral manner is acceptable. Charitable trusts, as with other trusts, are administered by trustees, 
but there is no relationship between the trustees and the beneficiaries. This results in two things. First, the trustees of a charitable trust are far freer to act than other trustees, and, secondly, beneficiaries cannot bring a court case against the trustees. Rather, the beneficiaries are represented by the Attorney General for England and Wales as a parens patriae, who appears on the part of the Crown. Jurisdiction over charitable disputes is shared equally between the High Court of Justice and the Charity Commission. The Commission, the first port of call, is tasked with regulating and promoting charitable trusts, as well as providing advice and opinions to trustees on administrative matters. Where the Commission feels there has been mismanagement or maladministration, it can sanction the trustees, removing them, appointing new ones or temporarily taking the trust property itself to prevent harm being done. Where there are flaws with a charity, the High Court can administer schemes directing the function of the charity. Testamentary Trust A testamentary trust, sometimes referred to as a will trust or trust under will, is a trust which arises upon the death of the testator, and which is specified in their will. A will may contain more than one testamentary trust, and may address all or any portion of the estate. Testamentary trusts are distinguished from inter vivos trusts, which are created during the settler's lifetime. There are four parties involved in a testamentary trust. The person who specifies that the trust be created, usually is a part of their will, but it may be set up in abeyance during the person's lifetime. This person may be called a grantor or truster, but is usually referred to as the settler. The trustee, whose duty is to carry out the terms of the will. They may be named in the will, or may be appointed by the probate court that handles the will. The beneficiaries, who will receive the benefits of the trust. Although not a party to the trust itself, the probate court is a necessary component of the trust's activity. It oversees the trustee's handling of the trust. A testamentary trust is a legal arrangement created as specified in a person's will, and is occasioned by the death of that person. It is created to address any estate accumulated during that person's lifetime or generated as a result of a postmortem lawsuit, such as a settlement in a survival claim, or the proceeds from a life insurance policy held on the settler. A trust can be created to oversee such assets. A trustee is appointed to direct the trust until a set time when the trust expires, such as when minor beneficiaries reach a specified age or accomplish a deed such as completing a set educational goal or achieving a specified matrimonial status. For a testamentary trust, as the settler is deceased, they will generally not have any influence over the trustee's exercise of discretion, although in some jurisdictions it is common for the testator to leave a letter of wishes for the trustee. In practical terms, testamentary trusts tend to be driven more by the needs of the beneficiaries, particularly infant beneficiaries, than by tax considerations, which are the usual considerations in inter vivos trusts. If a testamentary trust fails, the property usually will be held on resulting trusts for the testator's residuary estate. Some famous English trust law cases were on behalf of the residuary legatees under a will seeking to have testamentary trusts declared void so as to inherit the trust property. An infamous example is Reed de Plock Chapter 253, which resulted in the suicide of one of the trustees who was personally liable to account for trust funds that had been dispersed for what he thought were perfectly valid charitable trusts. Advantages of a Testamentary Trust a testamentary trust provides a way for assets devolving to minor children to be protected until the children are capable of fending for themselves. A testamentary trust has low upfront costs, usually only the cost of preparing the will in such a way as to address the trust, and the fees involved in dealing with the judicial system during probate. 
Disadvantages of a Testamentary Trust The trustee is required to meet with the probate court regularly, at least annually in many jurisdictions, and prove that the trust is being handled in a responsible manner and in strict accordance with provisions of the will which created the trust. This may involve considerable legal fees, especially if the trust endures for several years or involves a sophisticated financial or investment structure, and always involves the fees imposed by the judicial system. Such fees and expenses are deducted from the principal of the estate. The trustee must be prepared to oversee the trust for its duration, which involves a considerable commitment in time, possible emotional attachment, and legal liability. A candidate for trustee may be named in the will, but that person has no legal obligation to accept the appointment. If no trustee is named in the will, or is unavailable, even if named, the probate court will appoint a trustee. It can be difficult for beneficiaries to bring a dishonest trustee to account. They may sue at law, or the malfeasance may be pointed out at the annual probate court review, but such remedies are slow, time-consuming and expensive, and are not guaranteed to succeed. Summary Due to the potential problems, lawyers often advise that a revocable living trust or inter vivos trust be created instead of a testamentary trust. However, a testamentary trust may be a better solution if the expected estate is small compared to potential life insurance settlement amounts.